and welcome to Hornet Labs, the podcast to the students and parents of OART from the OART Oral Communications class. This is the one and only place where we talk about OART and all of its accomplishments and challenges. Our names are Mariana and Mason. The purpose of this podcast is to help out the students and teachers of this school for four-day weeks. This is our choice of topic, and the reason for this is because of our behavioral issues and academic purposes. We could get this going by through administration and through the community. The people we have brought in are the principal and counsel of the following schools, Westside, Mayflower, and Bigelow. We first called Westside High School and spoke with the principal, Dennis Fisher, November 15th, when this occurred. Uh, hello, I'm from Oark High School. I'm a student here. Uh-huh. And I was going to ask you about uh, your opinion on the four-day weeks that you guys have. Mm. Uh, about, what do you mean, my opinion about whether I like it or what? I like the pros and cons about it. Okay, well, uh, obviously the, I guess the biggest pro for me is, uh, I think most people, is the Friday off. We We take Fridays off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's good. And then, uh, you know, the only thing as an administrator and then coaches, uh, athletics, if we're off on Fridays and we have ball games, well, then obviously we have to come in for that. Yeah. So it depends on which day you put it. Put it on, you take your day off. Some people take off on Mondays and you can make your athletic schedule feel a little bit better. But, yeah. you know, I guess, uh, some of the cons would be to it. Uh, to it would be uh, some of the younger kids not having anyone at home with them, and the parents would have to find babysitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every every day counts as one point two five days. So you have to, you know, when teachers take off, instead of taking off for just one day, they're taking off for one point two five days. Oh, yeah. And it's the same thing with your academics. Uh, you know, you have to uh, you have to be real careful about losing time because every class period, uh, you know, is one point two five percent of your curriculum for that week. So you have to be careful with that. Yep. How many years have you guys been doing that for? Uh, this is actually my fourth year here, and I believe that uh, you know, I, my first year was uh, in twenty twenty. And, of course, that was a pandemic happened right before that. So they were doing it. I think this is the fifth year that they've been doing it. Mm. Have you seen, like, any academic improvement or maybe, dis- like, disciplinary drops or anything like that? I think uh, I think our attendance maybe is some better than it would have been. And uh, I, I'm not sure about discipline. I think it's continued to get better. As the longer I've been here, and I'm not sure exactly what the reason for that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit more strict than the past administrations. I don't know, but uh, I, I think another another thing that's helped us with is teacher retention. It seems like teachers are staying with us longer because they like the four day week as well. Yeah, but that's really, I mean. Uh, I really like the three-day weekend. I think it, it helps. And you don't – I'm not sure you save a whole lot of money other than your bus routes. You know, you obviously burn less fuel. Mm-hmm. But I think 
and I would have to double check on this, but I do think that, you know, you're not going to save any money on salaries because nobody lost any money. So like the bus drivers, mm-hmm. they still got to keep the same amount of money they were making. Oh, and yeah. So that, you know, so that, uh, uh, that was not a great big savings. And of course you would save some on your, uh, maybe your electricity and your heating and air bills, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I guess cafeteria, you don't, uh, you, you don't serve, to serve five lunches and five breakfasts, we serve four, obviously, so yep. a little bit of savings there. Yep. How have y'all's ACT scores been since you did it? Have, has it gone up or down? Well, it, uh, we actually saw a little bit of an increase this year. We've really been focusing hard on uh, on our literacy. And we, we didn't see a great big gain, but we did see a little bit of a gain. And I think our ACT, uh, not the Aspire, but the AC, regular ACT for juniors, I think our scores has risen somewhat there as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for talking to us, sir. Uh, anytime. Hope this has helped. Yes, sir. All right, thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye. Then we called the Mayflower High School and spoke with the principal, T.J. Slow. November 15th is when this occurred. Yes, hello. May I speak to you about your four-day weeks? Sure. Thank you. Uh, Do you have any pros or cons about the four-day weeks? So, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't give you a whole lot of cons. Um, I can't, my biggest cons, I'll start with those first, come specifically for me as an administrator because I still have the same amount of classroom walkthroughs I need to do, the same amount of evaluations to do, the same amount of uh, 504 and IEP meetings to do, all in one less day. And so it, it, I really have to, <clears throat> that's been the biggest change for me is trying to divide my time appropriately to where I have time to do everything. That's been my biggest negative that I could come up with about the four-day work week. Um, Positives, um, we just did a school culture survey uh, about a month ago, and 94% of our students, 94, 96, I can't remember now, said that it was a positive thing. Um, They they really like it. They especially liked it um, this last weekend. With, with opening deer season. Um, it has um, it has helped our student discipline. Uh, it has helped our student attendance. It has helped our teacher attendance. It has helped our, um, it's helped our teacher burnout. Uh, our teachers are, um, they need that three-day week. And, and I'll tell you, it took them... It took them about maybe a semester. It took them maybe a semester to kind of like figure out the pacing for a four-day work week. And when they figured that out, it was uh, it was pretty rocking. They they really like it. Um, our, our kids like it. Our parents liked it. Our biggest our biggest issue as a district was of course our elementary our elementary parents were like what about child care what about and um we knew from other districts that were four day that it kind of worked itself out but mr chisholm our superintendent sent out a survey to parents and initially we had something like 
70 parents who said they were going to need child care. And by the time the first day, of, the first week of school rolled around, we had like 20 that showed up for child care. And after that, I think we averaged like 11 every Monday for child care. And um, so our parents figured it out. And seven of those 11 were actually from a daycare across the street so that the parents didn't have to pay as much money on, on that Monday. So they just walked them across the street like a normal school day. So y'all decided and Mondays so, off instead of Fridays? We did. We did. And and so you guys do not have football? No. See, there's, there's, the, there's part of the difference. Is, um, so most federal holidays, if you're out of school, mm-hmm. are on Mondays. And then um, we have the basketball, football, um, and baseball and softball play basically every Friday. And so it just made sense for us for um, pep rallies and that we don't have and um, but just school spirit to actually be here on Fridays. And the number of weeks that we would have to go if we wanted to get a four-day school week uh, and not have to go extra at the end of the year, if we went on Mondays, we would have so many Mondays off throughout the school year, three or four Mondays, that it added an extra week onto our, onto our school year. So we just went Mondays, Mondays off, and it's been really good. Um, have your ACT scores went up or down since you started the four days? So this is, this is our second year. Last year was our first year. And the, um, the effects uh, on our test scores were um, they were negligible. They, they definitely did they definitely were not worse. Um, they were not they didn't go up a, they didn't go up a ton, but they also did not bottom out because we only went four days a week. So it was a it was not a um, that was a concern that we had had and looking at it, it was we felt really good about our result facing that test scores on four-day school week. Now, um, um, Atkins has been four-day a year longer than we have, and Bigelow has been four-day work week for five or six years. They've been been four-day school week for a hot minute. So they may have a little more historical data test score-wise to to help you out on that. Mm-hmm. What is your guys' school hours like each day? Is it so we are we our first bell rings at seven forty. We um, our tardy bell rings at seven forty five. We have four minutes between um, each class for transition. We have thirty minute split lunches, and the bell rings to go home at four fifteen. Okay. And in the afternoon, we have a snack time. Um, and so we actually have a um, we actually have a six minute transition for our kids to go down and get snacks. Mm-hmm. And it's usually like a milk and some cookies or a juice and a bag of chips right. that, I, that we just get through our cafeteria. Well, thank you for this call. You have been very helpful. 
Well, I, I hope so. And um, if that's the direction y'all go, um, you know, I wish you the best of luck. And I have no doubt that you will enjoy it if you get that opportunity. What's your name again? Uh, TJ Slough, S-L-O-U-G-H. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a nice day. All right. Ha- have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Finally spoke with the counselor at Bigelow High School. November 15th is when this occurred. Can you tell me your pros and cons about it? Well, um, I, I honestly, I can't think of any cons. <laughs> um, but um, now I'll be honest at first, um, our, our community was kind of divided. Um, and even as counselor, I was kind of on the fence at first because my first thought was, what about our kids who come to school for their best meals of the day? Yeah. You know, and um, so... Um, so at first I was, you know, I, I was a little worried, you know, because, um, we, um, our area, um, is, you know, pretty, pretty low, po- you know, poverty in some cases, but, um, but anyway, um, but then, um, when we addressed it with our community, we were about 70, 30, about 70 people for it, 30% were against it. We sent out like, some surveys and this was actually my first year um, at the high school because I had been at our elementary, uh, same district, but I'd been at the elementary for 14 years. And so that, so the division was about 70, 30 and then it was in 2020. So we went on spring break, of course, and then we didn't come back. <laughs> and so I think that, that at, at first, I think that kind of took away the kind of the shock of it at first you know with people yeah but we really sat down and thought about you know like um you know people like what about people who work and need child care and things like that and really when we kind of sat down and looked at things um that wasn't really a um um we you know we we went i I sat with our high school uh uh, principal at the time, we, you know, we started going through our families at the elementary and we weren't really finding where that was a problem for some people, you know, um, because I know we had even thought, well, would that open up for older girls that maybe were needing like a babysitting job, but what if they couldn't afford that, you know, so, so we did think about scenarios. Um, so, um, after our first year, they sent out a survey, um, you know, asking people their thoughts and everybody loved it. And so this is our, I believe fourth year, um, of having the four day week. We're out on Mondays. Um, and of course, um, and then since I've been here now, of course, we didn't take the, um, Aspire test that year 2020 because of COVID, but, you know, we've been ranked in the top, um, 10% of growth each year, uh, for high schools in the state of Arkansas. Um, and since we, and, and, and I mean, it's gone coincide, you know, coincided with us going four day. And then this past year we were, we were ranked in the top 5% in the state with our, uh, with growth in our test scores. Wow. Um, we go, um, we go, let's see, we're not here on Mondays, but, um, that's like, you know, my own kids, I schedule doctor's appointments then, um, I'm able to take my mom places on Mondays where I wouldn't have to have normally taken off, you know, for those things. Um, our, our teachers that have, uh, little ones or that are in, in daycare that's helped them out, you know, yeah. um, find, you know and stuff um but honestly um we haven't I, i've not ready and, I, and i'm from here i went to high school here went to elementary school here um and you know i see people i've 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 taught people now i'm starting to teach their kids you know I, i'm having their kids come there but um you know like i I'm ta- i see people every day from this community and i I've, I've yet to hear anybody complain about it 
Now, like I said, you know, I was worried about food at first, so we do send, we, um, we're we lucky to have a pretty a pretty hefty backpack, a food backpack that we send home, which we push through our elementary kids, but then I do have a, a, about two or three um, families from the high school that we send food backpacks home with, but we, we just, we've just always just been putting a little extra in those, you know, to help on those days that the kids are home. Yeah. Now, our, now our sports teams, um, there's only been a couple times each season where we've had a ball game on like a Monday night as far as basketball and maybe one baseball game that was a Monday. Um, and then uh, now during season, our kids do practice on Mondays. So football boys, um, senior high, they do practice on Mondays during football season. How many high school students do you have? Uh, we have 310. Uh, that's 7 through 12 is our campus. Are you the only school in your school district? Um, yes, yes. There's only two high, There's only two districts in our county. There's us and Bigelow, or I'm sorry, Perryville High School. And Perryville, they started four day last year. Yeah, I think we we just talked to them. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been successful here. Like I said, I mean, I'm right in the middle of this community every day, and I and I, I you know I'm not hearing any complaints about it. Now, and I'll be honest, my father-in-law, he's the um, transfer transportation director. He did rework our bus routes um, where, um, you know, where the kids that way were not having to pick up as early and, um, you know, the pickup time kind of stayed normal because we do start just a little earlier. But, um, you know, uh, like this time of the year, it's dark, you know, around 5 o'clock. So um, our, our bus route, our longest bus route last year was right under an hour, and I think this year it's about 45 minutes now. So we do that, to, you know, but it's something else we did cut out. Um, we have a lot of rural back roads, and so we did more like bus stops. We're not, we're not traveling um, down. If, if, it's a, if it's a road where it's feasible for the family to bring their kids to the end of the road, that's where our kids are getting on the buses, you know, to just kind of help kids get home a little quicker. Um, how has your attendance been since you started? Um. Well, I'll be honest. Um, our um, that that the, the year coming out of COVID, we had a that was just I think everybody experienced that. You know, kids just not want to be on campus yeah. and things like that. But honestly, it's really helped out with those things. And we also have a mental health um, person that also comes for like our kids' counseling appointments, and that's really helped keep kids from having to miss school. But um, but yeah, like our attendance um, has been has been decent. Um, you, I mean, you, you've got your frequent flyers that are constantly absent. You know, some of those families that just cannot get their kids to school. But, um, but, but our, but our, our, our attendance has increased. Has your discipline changed at all? Like, has it went down since you did it? Yes. Yeah. Um, um, since I've been here, there's only been um, three fights. Um, so, and, and this is my fifth year. Um, and, and as far as discipline, um, really, um, we've got we've got a handful of kids that you know, like va- vaping's a thing for them, and that's really our our, our largest. And, and really, that's maybe, and I say a handful for us, that's maybe like three or four kids. So, um, really, that's that, that that's our biggest battle. You know, knock on wood, um, we're very fortunate that you know our kids are pretty well behaved. I took twenty five kids to UCA today, and and um, couldn't have asked for a better group you know, of kids. Uh, has your ACT scores gone up or down since you started it? 
Um, as a matter of fact, um, we've, we've really, in the past uh, three years, we've had several, we've had um, a lot of kids start scoring in different areas in the 30s. And so we started a thing called the 30s Club um, to recognize um, students that have um, scored a 30 in, in different, in various areas. And so what we do is anytime um, when the score reports come in and um, if they've scored a 30 in any area, um, I have them hold a little sign that says like whatever the subject area was, like if it were science, um, and they stand in, um, in front of our, our school crest and, and we post it on our Facebook page. And we call it the 30s club. So we've, we've had, um, we've got kids, you know, scoring in the 30s in different areas. Okay. And then, of course, our fire scores, we, um, we're in the top 5% of the state with growth in our aspire. Has your teachers, like, has your teachers, like, left more or, like, stayed more since you started doing this? Um, I, I def, um, last year we uh, we did not have any turnover. We had the exact same group of teachers that left. Um, the year before, now we did have we did hire several people, but we had several people retire. Um, so I would say uh, teacher turnover has not been a. Um, actually, if anything, during interviews, um, that's been a perk. You know, we've had a lot of teachers, you know, or people interviewees interested in um, you know coming to our school for that four day. Well, thank you. You've been a lot of help. Oh, absolutely, um, and 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 I can even speak as a mom. Like my kids feel rested. Like you can enjoy your weekends. And uh, my oldest son, he took concurrent courses, and so he would use that extra day to, um, you know, use that to spend time on his uh, college courses and stuff. So, so we so we really had some good benefits from it. Well, thank you. You have a nice day. You've been very helpful. You too. Oh, good. Good deal. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. We had a last-minute interview with Lincoln High School Principal Stan Carter. This occurred November 30th. I'm ready. Okay, all right. Sweet. Uh, Let's do it. Um, I was going to ask you about your four-day weeks on how it, uh, like the pros and cons of it. Well, I'll start with the pros and I'll end with the pros. Uh, we go to school four days a week. Um, that's one less day that we go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in the building and students and staff never are here on Mondays. Uh, we have a three day weekend. Um, the teachers mental health and the students mental health are all at an all time high. We have the highest attendance that we have had in this high school building in a number of years with the lowest amount of disciplinary problems that we have seen. And overall, there is not a single negative thing I can talk to you about concerning our four-day week. That is some uh, great news. Well, I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Has your, like, ACT scores been going up any, been going down any? It has 
been shown that everybody around this country is dealing with things as far as mental fatigue and mental illness. They're at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. So we took an approach in this small rural district to give everybody an extra day to get mentally right, to get their best game face on, and to show up Tuesday through Friday and go 100 miles an hour around this campus. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We're also in a small area, kind of like where y'all are at, where we let kids on that Monday go get them an extra job shift. Yeah. So they can extra make some extra money, put mm-hmm. a little extra food on the plate. Mm-hmm. They do all these things, and they show up mentally prepared for Tuesday through Friday. Mm-hmm. So the ACT score isn't necessarily what we're too concerned with. What I'm concerned with is teaching a group of adults and students how to work at an optimal rate. That is the world that we are living in in 2023, and it's only going to get faster, kids. So get your seatbelts on and buckle up and learn how to put your foot to the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you ain't first, you're last. Mm-hmm. That's a quote. <laughs> well, thank you for talking with us. What's your name? Stan Carver, K-A-R-B-E-R. That's with a K at the capital on my last name. All right. Well, you guys got it? Yep. When you get this podcast, I want you to email it over to me, and I want to listen to it. What's your name? Uh, Mason. Mason, I'm looking forward to it. What grade are you in, buddy? I'm in 11th. I love that. You're a junior. I got a son here that's a junior. If you guys don't switch to four days a week and you don't like it, you come on over here to Lincoln, and we'll talk to you about what we do. All right. We will. All right, Mason. Have a good one. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right, buddy. We'd like to thank all the administration from the schools for being in our podcast. Welcome to the Yale Work Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Logan. And we're here with Terry to talk about music and social justice. All right, so Terry, from the Encyclopedia of Philosophy, we found out that some of the integration of music and social justice has become so deeply embedded in the identity and cultural frameworks of popular groups that is understood today primarily as culturally consecutive. For instance, the tradition of blues wildly cons- recognized as distinctly African-American contributing to music, but it's not always recognized for its role helping to shape the political consciousness of African-American communities emerging from Reconstruction in the 19th century and migrating out of the American South in the 20th century. The same is true for the interplay between the free jazz of the 1960s and the black nationalist movement that helped to nurture. Other movements of music and social justice appear in our social historic's narrative less as integration than as accidental convergences, which we do not always notice or remember. Examples of music dropping out of the politics rather than politics dropping out of the music, including cultural inattention to the role music has played in later social protests taking place under the banners of the Occupy movement in AK Uncut, UK Uncut, and to the crucial role that music played in the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa. The, par- the paradigm for hypocrisy of musical expression and commitment to social justice, on the other hand, is the political protest culture in the United States in the 1960s, such as the Civil Rights Movement and the Anti-Vietnam War Movement in particular. What do you think of this? Uh, first off, I'd like to thank both of you guys for bringing me in here. I think this is a great topic uh, it's something that I've thought about for years and something I think that the school body as a whole is really going to enjoy getting to learn more about. Uh, in terms of 
social justice and music, I think there is a powerful connection between the two. That music artists have always felt a need to express themselves. And a lot of times artists come from various backgrounds where they've had their rights trampled on, they've seen injustice carried out, and all they want to do is have that reflected in their music to have some kind of action. This is Logan. In his book, Rhythm and Resistance P39, Ray Pratt observes that, quote, no music alone can organize one's ability to invest effectively in the world. But one can note powerful contributions of music to temporary emotional states, quote. It is because of the way music feeds into our emotional lives and because of the sense of a social well-being we get from sharing emotional states with others that music so frequently accompanies, accompanies movements that build and defend upon solitary solitarity. This is Contingent association to be sure, but the absence of logical necessities does not diminish the powerful role music plays in our efforts to build a better world. So, Terry, what do you think of these things? I definitely agree. Music is one of the easiest ways to help shape, build, change our world. There's numerous examples of songs. Uh, you mentioned the UK previously. There was a big movement uh, from Northern Ireland to separate from Ireland. And uh, one of my favorite songs by the Cranberries, Zombie, uh, is a reflection about kind of the horrors that people went through, particularly the car bombings, uh, Bloody Sunday. And it did a great job of portraying like the pure emotions that people in that scenario felt. And I think it was a big motivation and help in getting Northern Ireland its independence. All right. So we've got a few more questions for you. First question. In your opinion, what are your opinions on musical traditions? I think musical traditions are important uh, culturally, uh, and even like a family-to-family -family basis. Like my dad has always passed down his love for music. Uh, one of my best friends has an instrument called a mountain dulcimer that was passed down from his grandfather. Um, so it could be great in family, and I, like you guys brought up with jazz in the 60s, jazz and blues, uh, felt a great uh, community bonding element with African Americans during that time period. Uh, my dad is also a, a huge blues and jazz fan, and he grew up in East Arkansas, so that helped him even though like the town was racially segregated, like all the white people lived on one side of the train tracks, all the black people on the left. But my dad's black friends that he had was came through mostly music, uh, either joining bands or listening to music together. That's real interesting. What was the instrument you mentioned earlier? The mountain dulcimer. All right. And what do you think it particularly plays in the band? Uh, it's mostly a bluegrass instrument. Um, it sounds most kind of like a banjo, um, but instead of playing it like a guitar, you lay the instrument flat on the ground and pluck the strings um, like a guitar. Uh, but sound, sounds similar to a banjo, but very good in uh, bluegrass or country music. That's really interesting. 
So, what you have just said, what would be your opinion on music in its entirety? Uh, music overall, I, I love. It's a great way to express yourself. It's a way to share feelings, emotions with friends, to get ideas out into the world. Uh, definitely, like, I don't love all music, but like modern music, I'm not super fascinated with a lot of it, but there still are tons of new artists that I love just as much as old artists. So I think it's a critical part of our society and a key part of being a human. All right. Now that we've talked about music in its entirety, what do you think about music's part in social justice? Music is a big part in social justice. I think the one that comes to thought is Billie Holiday, I think mostly in the 1960s. She had a song called Strange Fruit that was about the lynchings that had happened in the South. And it was such a force, and people were so scared of it. She was banned from playing the song in most theaters in the South. She was arrested. I don't remember the city. She was arrested one place just for playing the song. It was that powerful, and particularly the white leaders in that community did not want that music to be heard and available to people locally. But just the fact that someone could be banned or arrested just for a song shows how important it can be in uh, fostering a movement and putting something inside people to make change. And just how powerful it can be. Mm -hmm. From what you just said, what would your opinions be on the social music aesthetics? A lot goes into music. Like It's not just the sound that you make, but it does have to do with... Um, who the people associate themselves with, kind of their style, um, maybe what uh, benefits they're going to play to. Um, I like to think uh, one of my favorite artists is Flea and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And after every concert, he always does a speech where he like tries to get his fans to love one another, work for the greater good. Um, so I th- a lot of people do a good job of it's not just focusing on the music, but adding on to... Um, what they've been talking about, or even going out and doing something unrelated to music that could help people. All right. Kind of like... Putting them in a good mood. Pretty much. Putting them in a good mood. Or calming them and putting them into peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chill. Yeah. So what would be your opinions on peace through art and music? My first thought of that, if anyone's seen any war movie that's based in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you've definitely heard the CCR song, Fortunate Son, uh, the most, probably the most famous American war protest song. And it did, like, my parents will play that today. And the Vietnam War started off as us fighting the communists, but eventually, after all this media comes out, People get the true facts of what's going on. You see a shift where the most of the American public does not want Vietnam to be going on. And it wasn't just from that song, but the views of peace through songs and like stuff like the Beatles have put out, many other groups, all point towards peace being the ultimate answer. And people that listen to that often adopt it and follow those. So basically like Forrest Gump. Yeah, exactly. All right, from your opinion, what would you think on the relation between art and music? It's a good question. I would definitely say music is a form of art. Uh, art is kind of how people express themselves uh, visually, aud- auditorily, um, 
any faculty that you can imagine. Uh, music is just the way people can express through listening, sound, music, and just as like a painting can make you feel any type of emotion, music can make you feel any type of emotion. So I, th I think it's a close connection and people really need to respect music as being an art. All right. That's all we have here for. Keep listening to them tunes and causing peace. All right. Thanks for having me, boys. No problem. Thank you. In Zechariah, the book, in the Bible, it says, God says that I will make Jerusalem an intoxicating drink that makes nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. Judah. Hey, Noah. Um, which, uh, for this podcast, what a... Uh, what are you uh, looking at concentrating on? The war. Is it predicting, or is it the end times? Yeah, I, I can see why we, you would think that. You know, you and I, we just read this article from the Washington Post. It's by Sarah uh, Pulliam, if I'm saying her middle name right, Bailey. She wrote this on March 10th of 2022. And uh, it says, the war in Ukraine has uh, reignited beliefs among some conservative evangelicals that Russia could help fulfill biblical prophecies about the end of the world. These evangelicals, particular, particularly charismatic Christians who focus on end-time theories, have long believed that Russia has a special role to play in the end times and are sharing new theories about why the invasion of Ukraine might be part of God's plan. Um, I'm... I'm Catholic. Do you have a religion denomination? Denomination? Uh, do you go to church? Yeah. Where do you go to church? The name of it? Yeah. Uh, Gloryland Pentecost. Pentecostal? Yeah. So, do they, do you know if they have any kind of beliefs of how the end of the world will come? They say that uh, the wars in Jer Jerusalem and, and uh, I can't really remember all of it. But yeah, that has a big part to do with it. With the wars being? It, I promise you, this, this just happened. I was listening to a podcast. It's uh, usually Monday through Friday. I listened to uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral Morning Podcast, and uh, I listen a day behind because even though I don't look like it, I get on the treadmill in most mornings. <laughs> and when I get on there, I say the rosary, and then I listen to the uh, uh, to their uh, YouTube channel. And so on uh, the I. On Mondays, which uh, was yesterday, Tuesday, I listened to it, and they were talking about end of the world times, like what you and I have been talking about, and one of the big predictions 
was coming true. They were talking about how the wars would be happening and then there'd be uh, crazy uh, weather happenings and all these other... uh, There would be insurrections. Oh, we just had an insurrection in this country. They're so... And it was like, holy cow, I can't wait to share this uh, with Noah about what was on that that, uh, video when... um, that the uh, priest was talking about. So, uh, some more from this article. It said that earlier this month, and this was in March of 22, earlier this month, California megachurch pastor Greg Laurie, who was part of President Donald Trump's inner circle of pastor advisors, told his followers he saw a prophetic significance to what is happening in Ukraine. And Christian Broadcasting Network founder Pat Robertson suggested Russian President Vladimir Putin was compelled by God to attack Ukraine. Since then, people who engage in prophecy have been giving their own biblical interpretations of global events, particularly around Russia's role in triggering the end of the world. And I, I believe there's many Catholics that believe that too, that Russia's going to have a big play in that. Did you have some questions you wanted to ask me about this? Oh, uh, yeah. Do you believe that the war is a sign of the end, that the end is near? You know, I'm definitely no prophet. (laughs) That's for sure. But I do worry about it. If you think about how many years this world has existed, and you think about if we believe all the history that's out there, and that we had dinosaurs walking on the planet, and you believe how uh, man has uh, come up through the years, and how we've uh, had all these different countries and the warring and the fighting and such. And just we finally have all this industrialism and uh, technology that just has happened in 150 years. In such a short time, we have uh, brought so much upon man that I just wonder if it was too much all at once. I mean, think of the billions of years to where we finally in 150 so years going from getting off of a horse and going into a car and the next thing you know we've got atom bombs and nuclear bombs and these mega rifles that can shoot out bullets 100 per second it's yeah. it's just it's it's gotten to be pretty crazy it it does worry me i know there's a lot of good people on this planet that hopefully will will keep it right but boy it doesn't take very many of them to make it wrong that's for sure what do you think do you think it's end times yeah i think we're we're getting there it says i don't know where it's found this is the plague which the lord will strike all the nations that fought against jerusalem and that's in the bible that's happening which it's there's been a lot of prophecies that have been fulfilled over the last I don't know how many years but I think it's nuclear warfare is when it's going to get really really interesting you know we're the only country far as I know, what I remember, we're the only country that ever used an atomic weapon on another country. So U.S. 
is not free of sin. In fact, you know, there's arguments that by dropping those bombs on Japan that it, you know, saved a lot of American lives, and I've, I believe that's probably true. Uh, but boy, can't we find ways to solve our problems without having to kill one another and take out whole cities with atomic weapons? Like you said, nuclear weapons, there's... I, I don't know who said it. I heard it on the news or somewhere, and uh, somebody brilliant said, well, I don't know how this war will be fought, but I know that the next war will be fought with sticks and stones or something like that, mm-hmm. which it just it just sounds right to me because they use these nuclear weapons. It's going to take us all the way back to the start. It, it's going to. I think so, too. Uh, do you have any other questions? Do you think we could prevent... Any of the, like the, the wars? You know, I think the United States of America sees itself as the big brother or the, the, the policeman of the, all the countries. I like to think we're on the side of right, you know, righteousness, that we try to do the right thing. And when we do things, and even if they don't go right, we're trying to do the right thing, not just for the United States of America, but for humanity. Um, even though we did drop those atomic bombs, I think we would have a really hard time dropping nuclear weapons in the future. I, I don't think it matters who's president. If Joe Biden were president, if Donald Trump were president, if Nikki Haley's president, I think I think we have so many intelligent uh, human beings that love humanity that I don't think the U.S. will be the first to strike. I think we would have to be a counter-strike, and I would just hope that all the other big countries have that same feeling that we love our humanity. We may disagree as countries, but I hope it never gets to that. But what I fear is these little countries that have big aspirations like North uh, Korea, Mm Those are the ones that really scare me. Those are the ones who try to provoke everything. Um, Russia, I know, can't be trusted. But so far, their fight with Ukraine, they haven't dropped any nuclear weapons as far as we know. And Lord, please keep protecting those people over there that it doesn't happen. But I, I have hopes. What do you think? Do you think we can stop it? Because it's in the Bible, though. I mean, me personally, if it's in the Bible, it's going to happen. I agree. There is no counteracting that. But you could always try. Try to postpone it. Yeah. I'm with you. I think if it's in the Bible, it's happening. Um, Did you have any other questions? You know, which religions predict the end of civilization? Um, So I knew you were going to ask me this question, so I did a little Googling, and this is just from my Google search, and I found where it says, Judaism, when the world ends, according to Judaism, Jewish exiles will gather in Israel, the dead resurrected, and all of humanity will live in a redeemed world. 
and mainstream Christianity, the Bible says that the end of the world will be marked by a complete unraveling of society, including widespread calamity and war. I think that's why, too, if things happen, we're not going to know until right before it happens. Oh, yeah. Because could you see that if they said, hey, we're, the, the world's going to end in 24 hours, can you imagine the bedlam and the craziness that would happen in those 24 hours, how humanity would probably lose its mind and all those bad people would probably strike out and want to do some bad things. What would you do if you knew you had 24 hours before the nukes hit? What would you do? I have no idea. Sit there and worry about it, probably. <laughs> would you try to pack up and, and go somewhere that maybe less fallout? Do you have... Have you even thought about making a plan? Like, oh gosh, what if uh, this happens? I'm going to go here, go there. You may not want to tell me because we don't want people to know where you're going to go. <laughs> well, I, I guess if it's going to happen, it's going to happen either way. And you can't. It'll be, you won't be able to come back. It's, and if it's going to be dropped on one place, there's going to be a lot more dropped or fired. I think the only people that were gonna, that have a place to go would be the president and all the, the government officials. Their bunkers all around. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Those be the last people we ought to be saving. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving us out here to fend for ourselves. Yeah, we ought to be saving uh, the humanitarians and the the people who want to uplift people and and are kind, so that the next rebuilding would be of kind people. It would be nice. Um, I really appreciate talking to you about all this. Uh, we're not supposed to blend our religion with our education, so we've tried to be uh, careful with what we say in this podcast, but we're also human, and we have our feelings, and I think we've done a good job uh, sharing your feelings. I appreciate you talking, uh, Noah, with me about this. Thank you. Thank you. And... Keep on listening. More podcasters to come. The Real Matrix. Now, The Real Matrix, I called it The Matrix just because it's like an underground term for corrupt government and what's going on in their plans. Uh, Alright. The lies in the works. How has the past eight years changed and how did it change in a negative way? If you guys want to answer, go ahead. Okay. And how has it affected us directly? No answers? Okay. What does our present president do best? Not remembering crap. Sleeping on important events and problems along with stumbling our country into an economic depression. Now, read your meme. I know y'all get to read. Now, what it means by corrupt billionaires is like people with money are the ones that have the power in the country. Like, y'all know of the Illuminati? Yeah. This video right here will give you an example of like where they are placed with our celebrities and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I'm not connected to that, so you have to click on it.
You need to stay ahead in business. Use AI to generate whole new possibilities. With the most experience in the cloud, imagine how AWS can transform your business. and show business don't know what this is <laughs> right yeah what is it come on jimmy seriously the time is up people are hip to this kind of stuff i i'm here tonight to blow the lid off it to be the whistleblower i'm sick and tired of the secrets and the lies it is the secret symbol of the luminati and you're part of it and it is the all mocking tongue <laughs> It's the symbol of the all-mocking tongue, and I'm sick of it. I want everybody to be in on the joke, man, you know what I mean? For years now, talk show hosts, people on television, people in sitcoms have been hired by the government to throw you off the track, to distract you, to make you laugh and stuff like that, make you happy and docile so you don't know what's really going on, you know? And they get out there in the woods in a circle naked and they decide these things and you know and you know, look at him look at him trying to, look at him trying to come it's hilarious it's hilarious and you know and i'm sick of, uh, hold on a second you know what they're trying to do Ooh, this thing is buzzing hold on they're trying to turn us into you know uh, you know consumer drones of some sort and, i just got to get this and, yeah yeah listen i'm in the middle of blowing the lid off some uh, What happened? I'm sorry, Jimmy. I was temporarily interrupted by my iPhone 6 Plus. That's a big one, huh? 5.5 heads up HD display. I think what I was really trying to say was I think people really enjoyed Dumb and Dumber this weekend. And that is what I thought you were about this time. We should all go to the theater. We should all go to the theater tomorrow and see it. Because we could use a good laugh. Ha 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 ha. Hi, I'm Jimmy Kimmel. Did you know there are things other than pornography on the internet? Watch them on the... <laughs> Today's things on things that are going to be cut out. Yeah, Christian. Out of pocket. 
Oh, we went too far. Sorry. <laughs> Alright. Now, with our corrupt government, alright, they're trying to turn consumers into just staying consumers, and, but they're upping the prices on consumer goods. So when you go to the store for groceries or whatever, your prices are going to go up. That's making them money while making us poor. And the work ethic in this country, seems how stimulus checks were going out, has really brought our country down just a little bit. Now, if you look at here, Obama, we had our wages at like 9.50, and that was normal for a while. Then years ago, went down, and then started spiking up. We got Trump in office, and then he started working on bringing our wages up. And he had our, he had our country at stable economic. We had high wages, lower prices on grocery foods, gas, all that. And, uh, well, as you can see, once we hit 20, 2020, we start going down, and then Biden gets into office. And now we are steadily staying at, right there, September 22, where you're looking at. And it's going up and down. Uh, so, what do y'all do, do know about communism? Basically, terrorist attacks. So, communism is a way of government where it's... How to explain it. They don't choose by voting. They have a leader that is just because he has the most power in the country. And he has the military power, the political power. And in communism a lot communism, a lot of the time you'll see them shoving one of their political opponents into jail. Right? Now I'm not gonna say it hasn't happened in this country a couple times, but there's another way of corrupt government because our politics are starting to get into it. And once that starts going, we lose our demo our democrat. How do you say that? Democratic. Uh -huh. Yeah, de like yeah, democratic. But how would we say that as in like democracy? An over yeah, democracy. There you go. Uh, so basically, we're losing our democracy in our country, and they're not sticking to the true constitution and the ways of America. So, uh, many of y'all have very, your favorite celebrities, right? Can you think of a time your celebrity was caught doing something sketchy on camera, like live TV? Alright? Alright. Now, if you went behind the scenes and found out what was actually happening, what do you think the answer would be? Well, that's the thing. You don't know. It's because you can't think of the possible outcome that could be this bad. The government... Full of billionaires, right? We got lizard people. I'm telling you, there's lizard people. Like Biden's one, I promise you. Hillary Clinton, another one. Dude, it's like they're lizard. I'm telling you. One time, I wish I would have found this video. But there was a video of Biden, right? He was like walking back on stage, and like his skin was moving on the back of his neck, and it looked like scales. I'm just saying. Those reptiles, man. Anyway, we got. Yeah, I forgot when we hear that. We should just go to the uh, song. Okay. The next slide. Okay. Click on that. Not my person personal music taste, but the song goes with the genre. So. <clears throat> 
listen to the lyrics. Welcome to the world, baby boy. I'll paint you red and white and blue. The indoctrination starts as soon as you come out the womb. Pretty quick will make you stupid, but curriculums in school. And if the class who doesn't do the trick will make you watch the news. Pick your team, right or left. Pick the red pill or the blue. You can vote, but even if you win, still everyone will lose. Don't forget to buy designer because Gucci makes you cool. We prioritize material belongings over truth. Get a job that you can't stand so you can buy some cans of food. But overseas and down for freedom, there's some oil we can use. Our democracy exists so that you think that you can choose. But our algorithms make you do what we want you to do. What's the problem? You're depressed. Society has you confused. We got medication for you that you'll probably abuse. Don't get married to a lady who also don't have a clue. And pump up a few babies that are just the same as you. Welcome to the system. Everyone's a victim. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. It hates you all. Here inside the system, violence is a symptom. Fighting for what's right, but somehow everyone is wrong. Welcome to the system. Everyone's a victim. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. It hates you all. the world baby girl i'll paint you pink if that's okay we'll encourage self-destruction through the music that you play we divided all the men by trying politics and race and honestly it's working awesome so for you we'll do the same never teaching you to love yourself inject you full of hate objectify your sexuality then blame you for the rape and weaponize the differences that make our men and women great and just to screw with you erase the genders everyone's the same we'll empower you with rights to vote and fight for equal pay then have the men turn into women and you'll fight for them again but you thought you had it figured out but everything has changed